Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 27 of Retro Hangover. Hello, Internet. We're coming to you over the streaming service of your choice because we love you. In any case, we are dictating devious dicks dubiously. Don't deviate, damn it. Debating Disney's dichotomy despite dominance. Indubitably. Anyway, I'm your co-host, Chris Copleen, and now you're playing with podcast. Super podcast. Retro Hangover. With your devishly devouring host, Shane Kosky. Baby Shark. Do 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 do. I don't know. That's what I got for D's. Do 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 do. You know, I don't actually know what that song is at all. I I do. And well, you have children. I'm going to assume that that's your excuse for knowing. They're they're really too old for Baby Shark. What it has to do is that we had a traveling uh, band in Diego Garcia, and they loved playing Baby Shark. Much to the dismay <laughs> of some of my friends and much to the hilarity of everybody else. Okay. Well, all right. I was giving you a free pass on that one, but I feel like that one's even more of an interesting story. So I'll take it. There we are. Uh, so it's after the holidays. Well, just about. We're, we're, we're near the tail end. We're recording yes. this uh, immediately prior to the new year. So um, so how'd your uh, your Christmas go, Chris? Uh, I. I would say my my Christmas went fine. No one got me any gifts, so that is exactly what I wanted for Christmas. Um, just don't get me anything, please leave me alone. But my kids, cool. they 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 got plenty of stuff, and I'm very happy. They were happy. So what I mean by my kids got plenty of stuff is they got stuff they think is theirs, but is really mine. So I'm looking forward to playing uh, plenty of Smash Brothers Ultimate here coming up. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun. I just have to get through Final Fantasy IX because everyone's playing that game right now. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. It's all yeah. the rage. Yep. It's it's all the rage. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got, uh, well, I didn't say I, I mean, my kids, they had a happy Christmas. So let's put that. I uh, went to a family's house, uh, did a lot of things with people out in town. I actually went and hung out with the uh, Good Luck Have Fun group of people who go and do their karaoke over there last night. And that was a lot of fun. I got to see a bunch of people in the community. Uh Found out they weren't listening to this podcast. Uh, it's not because they don't want to, I'm sure. It's because they just haven't gotten around to it. At least that is what I'm told. But I love them all the same. And I they look sound forward. sound like excuses to me. Hey, hey, you know what? When <laughs> when I've been told people live listen to 11 billion podcasts. That is true. It's, it's just really, really tough to get to listen to the show. But I feel like we made some headway. Some more, some more family members are listening to it that I've talked to over the holidays because, of course, talking to family members is the best thing to do over the holidays. And I hope everyone listening has done the same. So how about your fa- uh, holiday experience, Shane? How have you been doing over these past couple weeks? Uh, you know, overall, I'd say pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it out there right now that I am still kind of getting over a head cold that conveniently enough, I ended up getting a couple of days before Christmas because why not? You know, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if I sound a little nasally this episode, then I'm just going to chalk it up to that. So apologies in advance. But, um, outside of that, it was, uh, it was very busy, but 
mostly in a good way. Um, this was the first year that we kind of hosted the holidays at, at our place. Um, and that o- went over um, surprisingly very well. Uh, everybody had a really great time. Um, parents got to meet other parents and family members and etc. etc. And um, all the feedback we got was that it was really great and everybody enjoyed themselves. And um, we had a little white elephant gift exchange amongst the family, which was entertaining. Uh, a grandma got a t-shirt with a guitar built into it with an amp. So that's always fun. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, overall it was, it was, it was pretty good. I, I didn't get like a ton of stuff in the way of gifts or, or whatever, but that's, I don't know. We're listen. We're old enough, I think, at this point that that's not really a, a huge deal. No. Like, at some point, like we, I got cash as a gift, and I was just like, "Yeah, this this seems good." Uh, see, like I'm at that point where I don't even want gifts, as I said earlier. Like people are like, well, what do you then want for it's Christmas? a good thing I didn't buy yeah. you shit then, because I was thinking about it. <laughs> well, I bought you something. What? Maybe. Unless you already have it, I'm, I was betting on you having it. So. Wait, where, like did you like those. buy it because you wanted it, but you bought it for me in case I don't have it? Is that what this is? I bought it for you in case you don't have it, but I'm betting that you have it. Mm, do, okay. do, do you like, do you have any Amiibo? Uh, I have a few. Did you get any recently? Not recently. I've been trying to hit up my brother for his extra Dark Souls Amiibo, um, which by the way, uh, if you're listening to this, send that thing down here now, please. But, um... Other than that, no, not really. It wasn't Dark Souls. So maybe maybe you do have a Christmas present waiting for you. So Ooh. if you buy it in between now and then, uh, I have an Amiibo that's complete in box that I might want to hold on to. But because I'm in the giving nature and because you're you're more interested in this Amiibo than probably I would be, I think it'd be more fit, fitting for you to have it. Please don't research it because it would blow the surprise. So there you are. Well, okay then. Apparently my Christmas is not over. That's exciting. But you already know it's an Amiibo, so there it is. Well, yeah, but there's like a thousand of those, so who knows, right? Yeah, um, right. So, Chris, ah. co-host. Yes. What are we uh, What are we discussing this week? <sighs> so, we are discussing um, a little-known company called Disney. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. And Never heard how of it. They've, they, they've impacted retro gaming in this 8 and 16-bit generation, specifically with Capcom because uh, Capcom's a huge company they they're a big 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 company and you know they they had this thing with this company called Disney back in the day so this week we are going to be talking about Disney games on the NES and the SNES um which i believe both of us have some heartfelt moments of back in the 8 and 16 bit generation i mean now i'm going past the yeah we know who Disney is okay let's not fucking kid each other <laughs> so um yeah i'm looking forward to these games uh and discussing them and this week shane will be talking about the history of it so shane go ahead and do your thing all right Let's be real for just a moment. Nearly any gamer will tell you that, by and large, licensed video games are awful. Sure, there are some outliers. Spider-Man 2 for the PS2, we're looking at you. But the vast majority of these titles are lazy, thinly-veiled cash grabs. And from a business perspective, why not, right? 
The game already has a built-in audience, thanks to the IP that it's leveraging, so banging out a title and scooping up what revenue you can seems to be a logical, if not wildly cynical, choice. Thankfully, not every developer saw it that way. For a time, there was a collaboration that would see an assortment of quality-licensed games to market, unlike the world had ever seen, or would see thereafter. Capcom, Disney, and Nintendo. Both the House of Mouse and Mario's Makers hit a much-needed resurgence in the 1980s. Disney released a bevy of instant classic animated features, thanks, in a large part, to the beginning of Michael Eisner's divisive stint as CEO, established a strong television presence in the form of the Disney Channel and Magical World of Disney, and dominated the home video market. Not to mention the nearly half a dozen theme parks they opened in the span of two decades. Nintendo, of course, had made their move from a simple playing card company to a video gaming powerhouse with the release, and subsequent success, of the Nintendo Entertainment System, bringing along with it what would become the most iconic video game mascot in history. For the record, however, things didn't start on a high note right out of the gate. While Disney and Nintendo were conquering their respective market segments, Capcom was not nearly as large. The Japanese development house's partnership with these two titans got off to a rough start with a port of Mickey Mousecapade. Now, to be fair, it wasn't truly their fault. The title was originally developed by Hudson, so if anyone was to blame for the game's quality, it was probably them. Luckily, Capcom knocked it out of the proverbial park with their first in-house title for the NES, DuckTales. Capitalizing on the popularity of the Disney Afternoon programming block, Capcom and Disney would go on to produce several titles for Nintendo home and portable consoles, including Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, and Darkwing Duck. Unsurprisingly, they would also dip into feature film tie-ins, such as The Little Mermaid, who framed Roger Rabbit and Aladdin. There were also a number of titles not directly related to a particular series or film, perhaps most notably the Magical Quest series and Adventures in the Magic Kingdom. The quality of these collaborations would, sadly, decline as time went on. Arguably, the peak occurred during the NES era, with some definite standouts for the Super Nintendo. Capcom would go on to continue developing games for Disney until around 2004, around which time Disney would restructure their internal development team into what would eventually become Disney Interactive Studios, pulling all game production in-house. Though somewhat brief, the Capcom-Disney-Nintendo triumvirate of the 80s and 90s will always be remembered by gamers worldwide for proving that, despite popular belief, licensed titles don't always have to be destined for the bargain bin. And that was your brief history of Capcom Disney games. All right, so yeah, very brief history. There we go on the history of Capcom and their license with Disney, especially during the 8 and 16 bit generation uh, moving forward. And I think their last releases were at the GameCube, from what I understand. Uh, so, Shane, uh, yes, what was your personal experience with any of these Disney Capcom games? Yeah, so I think. I probably came to this a little bit later than you, I think. Um, I, Very I possible. Yeah, I, I didn't really have a lot of um, exposure to this until the SNES era. So 
my 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 fondest memories of the the Capcom Disney collab, as it were, um, was mostly centered around things like uh, Aladdin, for example. That that's actually probably the biggest one for me. Um, the the eight bit stuff I didn't really get around to until after the fact. So like I came back to it later. Um, I wasn't really playing them as they came out, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the sixteen bit stuff primarily. So I, I imagine that you're probably a little bit before that, right? Slightly. Um, I think that for a lot of the other titles like DuckTales, like DuckTales, for example, I got too much, much, much later and I got onto mm-hmm. it with the Game Boy and uh, same with DuckTales too. But I did play Chippendale Rescue Rangers for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which is a fantastic game uh, if you haven't played it. It's a little bit on the easy side, but especially when you're playing it co-op, that game is an absolute blast. Mm. Uh, the way it plays the, the the just the gaming dynamic the way it controls there, that's a lot of fun it's one of the games i actually still have in my collection it doesn't cost that much to get and it's it's a fun game uh and the other one was adventures in the magic kingdom for the nes and i played that over at a friend's house and that game is absolute garbage uh <laughs> maybe absolute garbage is harsh because there's plenty of worse games on the nes of course but so so just to clarify for for listeners who aren't familiar with these titles so adventures in the magic kingdom that is the one where you are basically playing someone who visits the magic kingdom and has to go around and answer trivia questions to collect stuff is that correct no that well, you might have to do that one of the levels i, I can't remember so each there's like every single level is a different ride in the Magic Kingdom. I remember specifically because like the Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. is a level in that game and you have to avoid the ghosts and it's irritating as crap. But actually, I hadn't been to the Magic Kingdom. I hadn't been to Orlando when mm-hmm. I had played the game. So when I actually went to Walt Disney World and went to the Haunted Mansion, I was expecting a lot more from that ride because of the game. And I guess uh, the same as Space Mountain. Now, Space Mountain didn't disappoint. However, uh, the Haunted Mansion really did because it was boring. So I would right, say so it raised my I, expectations. I say, what am I? So what am I thinking of? Because there is an NES game that is like that. I feel like I'm thinking I, of something else. I, I don't know. Hmm, that's going to bother me now. But anyway, I know. So I know what you're talking about. So Adventures, I, I haven't actually played it, but I've seen it played. So mm-hmm. I, I know how infuriating that that game can be for sure. Um, so interesting thing to note about those two is DuckTales and um, Rescue Rangers were both uh, side-scrolling platformers. So mm-hmm. they they had kind of nailed that formula and stuck with it for those. Um, they did actually release sequels for both of those, but the sequel titles were uh, unfortunately not as good as the originals. Uh, and I don't know about rescue Rangers cause I didn't really touch that one, but I know that DuckTales two, it's not necessarily a bad game. It's just that it's kind of more of the same. So that that's kind of the feeling I got for some of these other titles that weren't really standouts either is that some of them were not necessarily awful. They were just kind of very middle of the road, I guess. Uh- it's not that they weren't standouts. They were they were good games in their own rights. But you're you're right. It's more of the same. They're, they're giving mm-hmm. you more of what you experienced before. And, and the reaction from how sales went and how many copies they meant is is seen in the retro market. You know, try and go out and get a copy of Ducktales two, or try to go out in the market and get a copy of Chippendale Rescue Rangers two. 
Mm-hmm. It's not going to be cheap and it's not going to be pleasant. Uh, now, DuckTales, I, don't, I haven't looked up the price prior to it. DuckTales, not, not DuckTales, uh, Darkwing Duck mm-hmm. uh, has some of the same rarity. I, like, I never even heard of that NES game growing up and I didn't know the, the quality of it. And, and the interesting fact with that is that, like, Darkwing Duck was based off of the Mega Man engine. It used the same engine that Mega Man did. So That you, is true. It, and I guess it had the same composer for the music as Mega Man did, too. And I think that's another thing with all these Disney games is Capcom put a lot of effort, uh, at least in the NES. And I know they did beyond that. But particularly in the NES, the music and the gameplay was almost exactly the same as all their other NES offerings during the time. You, there mm. was very little drop-off in quality from what Capcom had between Mega Man, the Mega Man series and their Disney NES series. They really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, no, they they certainly did, yeah. And um, <clears throat> they, they actually were kind of sticking with the NES even through the very end of its life cycle, too. So there's some overlap there. Um, between the release of the Super Nintendo as well. But that's when it kind of steps into, uh, as I mentioned earlier, kind of the era that really stuck with me. Because even though technically I, I was I was a kid and I kind of was growing up with, um, you know, those 8-bit systems, they were... I was just a little bit past that. So being, being born in the mid-80s means that I had come to that a little bit later than, you know, after they were released, obviously. So, um, I really hit, I guess my stride, uh, with the super Nintendo and the biggest one for me, if we're talking specifically about Disney games is definitely Aladdin. So, um, some things about that, I I suppose it should be noted that there were different versions of Aladdin for different consoles. Um, and not only were the games themselves, uh, pretty, significantly different in in almost every way but uh they were also developed by two different studios is that correct yeah uh, when you go into the 16-bit era you start to see a lot more developers get into the mix with disney games it really diverges uh away from capcom not to say capcom didn't continue to make games uh, i'll probably touch on some of the some of the noble ones i know shane's about to talk about aladdin here but like for example aladdin for the sega genesis was made by virgin interactive Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a completely different game, uh, com- just completely different controls and keep completely different setup. And a lot of people consider it to be a, a superior version. Now, of course, probably the one you grew up with and is the one that wrong. you... Well, I think you're wrong. But <laughs> I, I think people who... It's the one they grew up with, they're probably going to consider it to be the superior version. This even comes down to a lot of Mickey Mouse games. You know, Capcom was making Mickey Mouse games, too a lot of which didn't come over to the United States, but they were still making them. But when you consider the fact that you have one of the Sega Genesis's major first hits was the Castle of Illusions during Mickey Mouse, mm. and that was made by Sega. It wasn't made by Capcom. And the same with Mickey Mania, which is another phenomenal uh, Disney game starring Mickey Mouse, and that was made by Sony. And that right. was for you know the, the SNES, uh, Mega Drive, and well, Genesis, and the Sega CD. So, yeah, there's a lot of branching out paths, even some games made by Sunsoft, which I haven't played. And Sunsoft is known very well for their music, but you don't hear about those games, so who knows? But, um, yeah, there's a lot of different branching paths once you get to the 16-bit generation beyond Capcom. Okay, so I'm, I'm curious because I, I almost feel like you and I have had this conversation before because I'm, I'm aware of the fact that you prefer the, the, the Genesis Aladdin to the Super Nintendo. But... Mm-hmm. What 
for you, what is it about that version that is superior to the Nintendo? Is it because the Genesis has better sound? Is that one of no, the things? Absolutely not. No. The Genesis does not have better sound. Okay, well, I didn't uh, think so, but, you know. So what is it then? I would say the animation quality in the Genesis, it's it's a little bit better. I think it's more genuine to the actual movie. I know we're talking about 16-bit graphics here. Um, the, the level design, uh, the way the gameplay was, the, the variety of level designs that you had within the game itself, uh, boss designs, uh, the way you control the character. I just think it was a – I wouldn't say it's a more s- – fundamentally solid game than the Capcom version. But the Capcom version had a lot to do with, you know, you're swinging off, uh, uh, like, the, the poles and jumping on people, whereas the Genesis version is more about sword play and distraction and getting around other characters. Um, I just happen to like the Aladdin, uh, the Genesis version of Aladdin a little bit more. I can understand people who like the Super Nintendo version more. It has a tad bit more polish, mm-hmm. but... I just feel like there's just something to the Genesis version that nails it out of the park a little bit more. Hmm. See, that that's interesting because you, you mentioned the kind of the differences in gameplay. I and of course, this is I mean, as you said, we're, we're coming at this from our own personal biases because the Super Nintendo version was the one that I played, of course. But right. I, I felt like the the gameplay and the combat. Uh, and movement in the Super Nintendo version was just much more dynamic. And I think a big reason for that is because they chose to have your the interactions with, you know, enemies and stuff be centered more around landing, you know, your jumps on top of them and bouncing off their heads and then grabbing onto the poles and swinging around and doing that kind of thing. So the whole, most of the levels, and this is obviously not including things like the magic carpet ride, um, which is a thing all on its own, but uh, it just kind of made the levels seem more fluid. Uh, if you got really good at playing those levels, which I did because I played the hell out of that game, mm-hmm. um, you could go from the beginning to the end of a level and just do it in almost... I won't say one complete fluid motion because that's that's kind of overselling it a little bit, but um, you could get really good at, you know, chaining those jump bounces and then grabbing the poles and swinging and continuing your momentum forward in almost all of the side-scroller levels. I think the only one that comes to mind that is kind of forced to take a different path would be closer to the end of the game when I think you're inside the genie's lamp because that's a vertical level. So there's just a whole lot of like platform jumping upwards. But, mm-hmm. um, but now outside of that, I, I don't know. I just felt like, I felt like the gameplay was more satisfying than using the, the scimitar sword to fight enemies and, and things like that. But I don't know, potato, I, potato, I guess. It all comes down to nostalgia. I think with those two games, cause they're, they're both very high quality games. They are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so there were some that I think, did you mention, uh, we, cause obviously we were talking about this before we started recording, but you mentioned that Virgin also did, what was it? Lion King. Uh, Virgin also did do Lion King, uh, for the SNES and Sega. And uh, if anyone who ever played any of those games, they know that game is, is, is tough as nails. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, what was it like the, the jungle level with the giraffes or something? I think that's the one that people always hit and then just 
kind of throw their hands up. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't even remember how difficult that was. I I played a little bit. I, I see a lot of the reactions to people playing it now. They're like, "Oh, if you make it past the first level, you're a god." I'm like, "Yeah, well, we all made it past the first level back then. Uh, it was <laughs> a lot different." Now, have I gone back and played it since then? No, but. I don't know if I would do as well as I did back then. You know, eight-year-old me was a better video game player than, you know, 33-year-old me. Uh, eight, eight-year-old us were, were better Twitch gamers than we are now. Let's put it that way. And it, Very, when a lot of this stuff was based around, like, reaction timing and stuff. So, Very, know. very, very fair. Maybe um, that's but, why we like turn-based RPGs now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love turn-based RPGs now, because I don't have to Twitch. And, and in fact, I'll get... I'll have a story about Doom probably near the end of this or talk to you privately about that, I realize. But in any case, mm. um, going back to Capcom. Yeah. The SNES with Capcom. Now, now, a lot of this has to be probably because of licensing issues, why you don't see Capcom games on the Sega Genesis is, of course, because of Nintendo's draconic and illegal licensing procedures and how they controlled their games and how they got out. I just find that interesting because these games in and of themselves were licensed. It's not like Disney was small potatoes. They Disney could have easily bullied Nintendo into taking all of Capcom's games onto the Master System or onto the Sega Genesis. I'm just not sure why they didn't. Well, it's interesting, too, because, I mean, you'd think they're kind of leaving money on the table, right? And... and... This this extends even to current day. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that a lot of these older, you know, uh, licensed titles were never found on, you know, places like the Nintendo Virtual Console or literally anywhere else, really. Uh, And it all really just comes down to the licensing issues. I, I don't know. I guess Disney just doesn't want to play nice with that. Maybe part of it is because they're just sort of becoming... I would say that they're becoming more insular, but that's only partially correct because when you're a company that is just devouring every other company on the planet, like being insular at some point kind of becomes meaningless. But, um, but yeah, I mean, outside of a few things that come to mind, like, uh, the uh, Disney afternoon collection, for example, that mm-hmm. re-released those four, uh, eight bit titles in a package, uh, fairly recently, I was actually thinking about picking that up on my switch which I might still do, but, uh, and then there was the, uh, technically speaking, and I could be wrong on this, but when I was looking through this stuff, I believe the last thing that Capcom, like, again, I say technically had anything to do with concerning, uh, a Disney collaboration was DuckTales Remastered. I can't remember if that was Capcom or WayForward. Well, so I think, I think WayForward was handling it, but. Capcom's name was still on it so if you go and like look that up like they're still associated with it so like on a very like technical level <laughs> that, that was probably the last thing that they were involved with uh, as far as these games are concerned but they had a number of other ones because uh, as we said you know it went up through about 2004 or so um, they had there was like a Nightmare Before Christmas game that they did that was relatively recent at least in terms of what we're talking about here I didn't even um, know they made a Nightmare Before Christmas game. Yeah, I think it was a Wii title, so you know, uh, probably of dubious quality, but um, but it was shovelware. definitely yeah, basically yeah. But but I mean, it was out there, you know. Um, and then out, you know, outside of just Capcom, you know, there were once Disney kind of pulled things 
in in house we got some things like uh epic mickey which actually was a really good game um i i didn't play it because i anybody who's been listening to this podcast long enough or knows me in real life probably is aware of the fact that i hate motion controls with a burning passion so (laughs) um being forced to use that to play epic mickey meant i was not going to play it but luckily uh my girlfriend really likes it and so i watched her play through the whole thing so (laughs) there you go now i can say i've seen it it should be noted that Epic Mickey 2 is on systems that do not require motion control. That That is true, yes. And, uh, well, we I think we actually own the Wii version, so if I'm ever going to get around to playing that, we'll have to get it for something else. But I think I'm in the same boat with you. I think we have the Wii version of Epic Mickey 2 as well. Yeah. But it should be noted when we go back and look at Capcom, the Capcom developed Disney games, uh, like a big name came out, at least one of them. So we already said that, the the DuckTales was essentially a Mega Man game with a Disney coat of paint. Uh, and then you look at Goof Troop for the SNES, which mm-hmm. this is more of a fun fact kind of segment where Shinji Mikami was behind that game. And who is Shinji Mikami, Chris? Oh, yes. Uh, in case you don't know, Shinji Mikami was the brains behind the Resident Evil series. Uh-huh. So he, he went from Goof Troop and then he went to Resident Evil as a reimagining of Sweet Home. And I'm not going to get in what Sweet Home is in this episode. But essentially, <laughs> they saw how good he was at Goof Troop for the SNES. And they're like, okay, now that you've made this cutesy, cartoony puzzle game, we're going to make you make this survival horror puzzle game because they are completely related. Yeah, as I say, that that is one hell of a segue. <laughs> like, this is your background in... You know, I think that is a good thing for developers, too, in this in the fact that he was given more leeway in what he could create, you know, less limits. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, being able to diversify is always a always a good thing for sure. Of course, you know, you just want to see Goofy just start, you know, shooting zombies. I think that would be fun. I mean, I'd I'd buy it. You, I think that'd be a good Kingdom Hearts level. Heck yeah. There we go. All right. I mean, Kingdom Hearts 4. Have to include it in that because three is miraculously actually close to being released. So, Resident Hearts Bio Kingdom, yes, re recoded Veronica Dream <laughs> Dream Drop, <laughs> recoded Veronica. I love it. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. I'm finding this way too amusing that I probably should. <laughs> uh, all right, so I mean, we we. We talked a lot about that. I mean, is there anything else like for you specifically, Chris, like as far as these kind of the heyday of the Capcom Disney era that really sticks out for you? Because I know we talked a lot about me and Aladdin, but I feel like we didn't really touch on a lot of, you know, kind of what you saw. I just think when you look back on these games uh, and by all means, if, if you don't have a physical copy and you don't have the ability to get a physical copy, I completely understand. Emulate it. And I'll say emulate it loud and proud. Just do it. Uh, download it to your computer uh, just uh, for my legal reasons. Make sure you have a physical copy within the premises and you can call it yours. So play it. Just just go go play these old games. Uh, you may love them. You may not. But there's a reason that DuckTales Moon Levels theme is, is well loved. It's very, very well designed as a game. Uh, the music design is phenomenal. The graphical design is top-notch for the time, and it just shows a period 
when you had third-party developers that gave a shit about the quality of the product they're making, the quality of the product they're giving to the people regardless of the license they were having. And it goes to show, like, after the SNES era of Disney games, it really went downhill. It really started to focus more on the uh, really, really, really young audience. And you didn't get those game experiences anymore. So if you're hesitant to check out these games from the 16-bit era uh, and before... Like, don't don't be hesitant. Just go ahead, try them out. Uh, you might enjoy it. They might be a little bit on the easy side, but they are far more enjoyable than a lot of the NES games that you could probably get uh, for a low price, especially when you're talking about DuckTales and Chippendale Rescue Rangers. You, you have a good game there that you can really play, enjoy, and have fun with. And that's all I really have to say before I keep rambling about nonsense. Yeah. I mean, outside of emulating them, of course, I mean, there, there, there are a couple of, you know, they have made some of these available in less morally gray areas. Should you uh, feel concerned about that? So as we mentioned, you know, there is that Disney afternoon collection out there that has um, all four of those titles. Let's see. That's DuckTales, uh, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, and uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So um, you can play those that way, and those are on, I believe, all modern platforms, if yes. my memory serves me correctly. Um, also, you know, and actually, I'm going to be honest here for a second. I know this is probably sacrilege to some folks listening, but I never played uh, the original DuckTales, the first experience I had with it was actually buying the DuckTales remastered uh, on Steam and playing it that way. So uh, I would I would also recommend that one because that gives you the option to play with uh, updated graphics and things like that or the original. You can kind of toggle between the two. Um, and it's also got some other stuff built around the edges, you know, like you've got uh, like achievements and, and things like that. So that's also a good way to play that one. I would probably recommend that as the first one to jump into if you've never played any of these, um, whether you go for the original or the remaster, either way, just because the mechanics of that particular platformer are a lot of fun. Um, you play as Scrooge McDuck and you basically pogo around the levels on your cane and it's a hell of a lot of fun. So, uh, and I feel like that one comparatively to like Rescue Rangers, for example, um, I think that one had a little bit more of a balanced difficulty like there was enough of a challenge there that it was still worth that's know, fair worth playing um especially if you were trying to do all the collectibles that makes it a little bit more difficult um so that one's kind of one of those ones where it's it's kind of easy to get into but if you really want to you know complete it complete it then you're gonna have to get a degree of skill to kind of pogo your way to victory as it were i would say the Advantage, of course, you already mentioned is the updated graphics and the fact that the all the original voice cast from the cartoon is involved with the remakes. Yes. yes. However, however, the disadvantage is that the cutscenes are unskippable. That is an excellent point. Yes, I I forgot about that. But um, but yeah, no, I totally forgot actually that they got all the original voice actors. That's a huge one. Um, so I mean, obviously, if you watched Ducktales as a kid, that's going to be a nostalgia factor right there i know it was for me anyway mm -hmm. um but uh yeah man okay pretty good i think we're gonna keep this one relatively short this week um we kind of is thinking god 
<laughs> I mean, listen, as much as I like editing audio for hours at a time, uh, you know, well, we're, we're trying to bring this in and tighten it up a little bit because uh, we've been pretty good at sticking to less than an hour. Um, but if, if you were there listening when we kind of rebooted ourselves at episode 20, we said we wanted to keep this to a half hour and then promptly did not do that thing. So <laughs> it, hasn't it hasn't happened at all. But we're pretty close right about now. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so uh, let's just say uh, let's get through some of that requisite stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. As always, we we like to hear from y'all. So if you are out there and you are listening and you want to uh, provide some feedback or uh, give us some suggestions on things to talk about in future episodes, um, you can do that a number of ways. We're on pretty much all of the social platforms. Just look for Retro Hangover, and you will find us. Your best bet of getting in touch is probably Instagram, um, or, you know, you can shoot us an email, and that is always podcast at retrohangover.com. I know we have at least one of our fans that prefers to reach out to us via Twitter, so you can do that as well. Um, And I know we said this last episode, but with the holidays being as crazy as they are, uh, we have not had a chance to really do any streaming, but I believe we are going to rectify that very soon. Chris wants to get on there and um, start streaming some retro stuff, and I know that I would still like to get on and stream some original Diablo and possibly even finish up Castlevania since I got pretty close before we took a little bit of a stream hiatus. Um, but what say you about that, Chris? Uh, yeah, looking forward to hopefully stream here in the future. Uh, just got to get the Christmas tree down and set up my little station over there since it's closer to an actual Ethernet jack. Uh, looking forward to our next topic because I have been going insane working towards the discussion that was started. By the way, uh, shout out before I go any further, it'd be remiss not to shout out Superfan Sam. And, uh, I love to respond on Facebook if you want to go on Facebook as well. That's another outlet. But, um, so I'm almost on disc four of Final Fantasy IX. Huh. Almost on there. That's and, that game uh, that you said everybody was playing. Yeah, that's that mm. really popular game that someone posted to our Instagram post and said they were playing it and was, was enjoying the hype. So, so so much, so much. Really, really looking forward to us both completing this game in two weeks, Shane. I mean, to to be fair, we're actually not doing our Final Fantasy IX episode for like a little while longer because our next episode. Um, spoiler alert is is actually going to be about square so of course of course of course it is of course (laughs) i'm just gonna keep pushing it off into perpetuity man i've noticed i've noticed (laughs) and i I, i'm tired of seeing the word que i don't want to see the word que que anymore no more que i'm tired of que in any case but how do you feel about coupeau i love coupeau okay well that's good because I, okay. too, love Coupeau. I love Coupeau. In any case, uh, Happy New Year to everybody. As yes. Shane said, reach out to us. We love your feedback. We if you live in America, you. then you can join us in blowing up a whole bunch of shit because we just went out and bought like a hundred and something dollars worth of fireworks. <laughs> so. Yes, fireworks are great. Uh, so is booze. So he can have fireworks. I'll get a hundred dollars worth of alcohol for one Excellent. day. And I will drink it all and I'll probably be in a coma for the next week. So, and while so I, recover, I will be solo hosting this next episode. So look forward to that. <laughs> any case thank you for joining us on today's episode of retro hangover uh we look forward to seeing you next time and in the meantime happy gaming and don't stop playing with your joysticks Bye.